0: You are listening to For Glory, a sermon series exploring God's grace in the book of Romans, preached by Dr. Trent Stewart. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com. Uh, last week, if you weren't here, let me catch you up. We're in Romans 12. We talked about one of my favorite topics as uh, a pastor, and that is um, the, the church being a, a body. And Paul said that the church is just like a body. It's it's like a physical body. There are different members. They all have different gifts and there's a different function. And when the body works together, it accomplishes great things for God. And so there's hands, there's feet, there's eyes, there's all these different parts. And so we learn that every person who has trusted in Christ has a gift and we've learned that we've got to use that gift to be faithful stewards of the gifts that God has given to us. And when we do cooperate together, God does amazing, amazing things in us and through us for His glory. And so uh, we'll be held accountable for those gifts that He's given to us. So that's where we were last week, and and right on the heels of that discussion, uh, we we find ourselves here where we're going to see the challenge of loving each other and honoring each other. And so that's where we're at today. And. Uh, before we jump into that, um, we're, we're getting ready to hit a section of scripture that uh, might seem random to you. There's all kinds of, of various like thoughts and and challenges and commands that he gives to us: love each other, take care of each other, um, you know, serve each other, all these different things. And it's like all flying at us. And so when I read through this, and as I prepared for this, man. I can guarantee you one thing, if you are here like and, you, and you're expecting God to show you something and you want to learn something from God's word today, I'm just going to tell you from my experience of the last two weeks dealing with this passage of scripture, um, and I'm just going to warn you that if you're the kind of person that likes to go to church and just kind of feel good, today's not that day, <laughs> because it's going to smack you right between the eyes, because on some level we all deal with what I'm about to talk about. Jesus was in this discussion with some Pharisees and some other guys, and, and they had some ceremonial laws, what food to eat and, and what food you can't eat. And they were saying, if we eat this, then we're defiled. And, and Jesus had this to say in, in Matthew 15, verse 17. He says, Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Thank you, Jesus. The anatomy lesson. Verse 18. But he says, But what comes out of the mouth Proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. So here's what here's where we want to start. Jesus said, Look, 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 it's not what you put into your body that makes you unclean and unholy. It's what comes out of your heart that makes you unholy. Unclean. And so here's, listen, this is where we got to start today with our hearts. So the title of the sermon is Exposing a Jealous Heart. Now we walk in here and you're like, man, I'm not jealous of anybody. So this might not be that bad, but let's talk about what a jealous heart is. Because if we are leading and living our life with a jealous heart, we are wrecking relationships around us. We are sabotaging our organization, where you, your place of work, your marriage, your family. You are destroying relationships around you and you don't even know it. Jesus says at the heart of our issue is what's inside of it. So whatever whatever you're saying with your mouth, it's like, man, I don't like what he's saying. It's not like you have to change your language and change your mouth. The, the core is our heart. We've got to go to our heart because at, Jesus said out of our heart comes all of these evil things and this unholy stuff and, and these words. And, and so we've got to dig in a little bit deeper, a jealous heart. You see, the condition of your heart today is the grid through which you live. Because every decision that you make, every action that you do, everything that you say, every thought that you have first comes through your heart. It comes through your heart and then it comes to your mind. Then it comes out in words. Our hearts are huge. So let's talk about a jealous heart. If you walk in here today and, and you're dealing with jealousy, here are some things that, that you might be saying, some things that you might be dealing with. First of all, a jealous heart is quick to point out the faults of others. You say, what's that have to do with jealousy? Well, at the issue of someone who is jealous of other people is that they don't want to honor people. They don't want to recognize other people's accomplishments. They don't want to encourage other people because if I do that, it makes me feel insecure about myself. So so therefore, I want to point out how everybody else around me stinks so that I don't feel so See, a jealous heart is reluctant to help other people become successful. So how many people at work are you teaching and training to do what you do? well, I'm not teaching anybody because if I were to teach them how I do it, then they might do it better than me. Then they would fire me, right? That's how it works. And it's like, no, it's not how it works. But that's our fear that if they might do it better than me, so I'm jealous and so I'm not going to teach anybody how to do it. I'm not going to show anybody else how to do it because I'm jealous and I'm envious. And if I do this, then I might get hurt and I might not get the rewards and the accolades for myself. See, a jealous person is threatened by talented people. So if you're jealous, you don't like to hang out with talented people. You like to hang out with people that are equal to or less than, you, know, than you are talent wise. And so if you're in a business and you don't like to be around people that are talented, then you're just going to hire people that are less talented to make you feel better, which ultimately hurts your organization, hurts you, it hurts your team. Jealous leaders measure success by the failures of other people. So when somebody messes up in your organization, you would never say this out loud. But inwardly, if you're jealous, you're just like, good. No, I don't look so bad. Or "Or I look pretty good. It's like when you were a kid and you know, the teacher gave you the test and you took the test and you got it back and you made a D. You're asking your friends what they made. Who'd you want to find? Who'd you want to find? Say it. The guy that made the F. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to find the girl that made the A. I want to find my buddy who made an F so I can feel better about me. Why? Because we're jealous and we deal with this envious, jealous heart. And it just wraps its tentacles around us. And it's the filter through which we lead and live our life. And it can destroy us. See, the jealous leader measures success by other people's failure. So the result of a jealous heart is... Typically, you're negative. Typically, you're critical. So you're the guy that can find a fault in anything. You're the guy that can be negative about any situation because that's, that's the result of somebody who leads and, 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 and allows jealousy and envious uh, thoughts and attitudes to creep into their heart. A jealous person says, I think I deserve what they have. Or, you know, I think I so, so at work, the boss has so-and-so in their office, and they're having the meeting. And you're thinking, why didn't I get invited to the meeting? I should have been in the meeting. How come they get to go out to lunch with them? I should have been in that lunch. I should have been a part of that. Why? Because I'm jealous, and I think that I should have everything everybody else has. It's our first reaction. We say, you know what? I'm not jealous. I just don't agree with everything that he has done. Yeah, I think he's, he's okay, but all I'm saying is, I'm not jealous of it. All I'm saying is, I wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> That's what jealous people say. So we've got to recognize that in our heart and in our attitude and realize it's the filter through which we're living our life. And so here's how we expose that in our heart. And here's the remedy. Here's the solution if you're dealing with jealousy. And that is to love people genuinely and to honor people more than you get honored. So that's the sermon. Have a great week. I'm just kidding. Let's look at the Bible first, uh, because this is not my idea. This is God's idea. Chapter 12, let's start in verse 9. He says this, Let love be genuine. It already hurts. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in prayer. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer and contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Man, there's a lot in those few sentences. Let me just cover the first couple. First of all, he says to let love be genuine. Now, the reason why that's hard for us is that, let's just be honest, you know, we're really good at being fake. Somebody asked you, before you even sat down, you walked into church, somebody asked you how you were doing and what did you say? Witness, seriously, that was a question. What what did you say? You're, You're a bunch of liars. You know, some of you, you're not doing good. You're not doing fine. You just lied in church, man. And why do we do that? Well, okay, maybe that example is not the greatest example. We're in church, not the right time. He didn't know the guy, whatever. But the point is, We like to stay fake and superficial. We don't like to be genuine. Genuine? Genuine? That means I have to be real and authentic. And and if I'm real and authentic, then maybe they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't accept me. Maybe they wouldn't think I'm as as good as them. And so loving people genuinely is just not really high up on my value system, Jesus. Thank you very much. But he calls us to genuinely love. Love, to be real with one another. Now, when he says genuinely love, and then a little bit later, that next verse he says to love each other with a brotherly love. The the word Philadelphia is the word that he uses here. And so this idea of, of being genuine, and this idea of a brotherly love is like being comfortable with this person. So there's a a level of comfortableness. It's familiar. I love this person. I love being in this person's presence and I am just comfortable. So you have friends who you can hang out and it's like you don't have to talk, you know, and fill the conversation. Maybe you eat lunch with them and it's like we're eating and we don't have to talk and it's not awkward silence. It's just okay because we're comfortable with each other. That's the kind of relationship he's talking about. He's talking about being so comfortable that, 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 okay, listen, Think about the, the most comfortable place that you know, that when you're in this place, it's home and it is love and it's just like, boom, I wanna be in that place. So it's like in your favorite recliner chair, guys, Maybe your pet is with you. The fire is rolling and you're in that lazy boy. And when it cranks open, it's the sound of glory, right? And it just fits your body and your torso just so. Other people sit in that chair and say, it's not so good. But for you, it fits you just right, man. And you love it. You've had it for years and you're so comfortable there. That's the kind of love and, and this feeling of being comfortable that he's talking about. He's asking us to be genuine with each other in our Love And so we're thinking, genuinely love? How can you genuinely love somebody? You know, everybody. I, I don't even know some of these people. So how can I do this? And, and we go back to verse 1 of chapter 12 where he says that we're not to conform to the image of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So the result of transformation, the result of a transforming mind here, results in a person that has genuine love for other people. See how that works. If I'm renewing my mind, if Jesus and the Holy Spirit are renewing my mind, then then now I have genuine love. Now I have a brotherly affection. Now, now listen, some of you have a brother or sister, and it's like, yeah, we love each other, but, you know, we argue and fight, and sometimes we don't want to be around each other. You remember that when you were kids, and even now you, like, love them, but, you know, you don't want to, like, spend all week with them. But here's the thing. Let somebody pick on your sister and see what happens, you know? Let somebody mess with your brother and see that side come out. You see mama bear come out and some of you ladies, right? So somebody messes with mom or dad or a family member, that brotherly affection I'm going to defend and I'm going to react. Why? Because we protect the ones that we love. So that's the brotherly affection he's talking about. He's calling us to genuinely love each other, to stop faking it, to stop pretending like everything's okay. To put down your guard and to quit saying, you know what, if if they don't, if they don't. And just trust Jesus and say, if I am genuine, God's going to bless. That's what his word says. This is what he's calling me to. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. I want to be a person that shows this and experiences this. Genuine love. And then he says, abhor what is evil. The word abhor there could also be translated to exceedingly hate. So he's calling us to exceedingly hate or abhor what is evil and to hold fast to what is good. Now let me just talk about genuine love for just a second. Men, you're a Christian. You're a man of God. You're called to be the leader of your family. You're called to to spiritually lead that family. So we all know this, and you guys know this. You've heard this. You've experienced this, that, that you can say all day that you love someone, but it's in your actions that kind of show that love, right? I mean, so if you love your wife, that, okay, okay, it sounds nice, but, but do your actions really show that? Same with your kids, and, and that's nothing new. You guys know that. So let's think about it practically when we, when we talk about genuinely loving our family, hating what is evil, clinging to what is good. So you're a godly man. As a godly man, you're called to go to work. You're called to show up on time, to work hard, to give your heart and soul to your boss. And, and the Bible actually says to, to work as if unto the Lord. So your boss is not your boss. Jesus is your boss. Your boss might be a jerk, but that's okay. We're not doing it to, to, you know, because he's God. We're doing it because Jesus is God. And so we're serving him by honoring our boss. And we're going to serve and we're going to work hard. And, and at the end of the day, we're exhausted. You're exhausted physically and, and, and maybe emotionally and you walk through the doors. And the godly man walks through the door and he says, honey, to his spouse, how can I help? Why? Because your day's not over. At five o'clock when the whistle blows, it's not your time. It's your family's time. So I'm walking through the door, honey, how can I help you? And so I'm exhausted, but I'm, I'm diving on the floor wrestling with kids and, and I'm changing diapers and I'm, and I'm doing homework and I'm taking kids to practice and I'm, 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 I'm doing all these things with my kids as, as a dad. Why? Because you're a godly leader. And then the kids, you know, you do the bedtime story with the kids and then you do the prayer time with your kids and you kiss each and every one of them on the head and you put them to bed and you say goodnight and it's still not your time. You're exhausted, but part three of your day is now with your wife. Honey, how was your day? Honey, how's your heart? Honey, what can I do? How can I serve? You say, When's my time, Trent? When do I get my time? Answer, there is no more your time. If you don't like that, single guys, you're not ready for marriage. You're not ready. You're married, it's what you signed up for. You want you time, wake up at 5.30 when everybody else is asleep. You want you time, stay up late and do you time. But there is no more you time. You're a dad. You're a man of God. Okay? We're called to serve. We're called to love. We're called to lead it, through exhaustion, through, through toil, through pain. We're called to be the leader of the family. You want to see what genuine love is? Look something like that. So, so when we look at love, when we look at genuine love, it's a real love. And so he says to hate evil. So as a dad, guys, are you hating evil and loving what is good? Because I'm afraid that some of us have things on the side and things going on where we're not hating evil. We're actually tempting evil. And we're actually kind of playing and wrestling With evil, and we'll realize, and we're not realizing that the good that we should be clinging to is the only thing that's really good in your life, which is your family and your relationship with God. So he says to hate evil, cling to, connect to what is good. And what is good is God and his word and your family. And he calls us to a genuine love here, to hold fast to them. And that very well is the best thing that you have. Secondly, he says to outdo one another with honor. Look again at this. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. Now, this is huge. Uh, To honor means to put value on something it means that that you perceive and believe that something is valuable, you consider it precious, it has a weight in your life there 's a, a weightedness concept to this thing, whatever it is, and we honor those things and so when we when we think about honoring, this is the exact opposite of what what we, what we find in scripture, but what we want to do is is to get the credit to earn the accolades, to be recognized. That's in our heart. So in scripture, it says to outdo one another in honor. So human nature wants to credit. Jesus says to give the credit. Human nature is to, I want to be recognized, recognize me. God says, recognize others. And he says, outdo one another. So there's this idea of, of, it's almost like a competition. Like we're in a competition on encouraging each other. He encouraged me today, but I'm gonna get him back. I'm gonna encourage him right back, man. Watch, I'm I'm gonna bless him. It's like what? That's just like totally not culture, is it? It's like he just he just what? I'm gonna get him back, and I'm gonna criticize him, and I'm gonna beat this guy down, and I'm gonna joke on him, and I'm gonna you know insult his family back. And so culture is completely different, and the jealous heart doesn't want to give honor; they just want to get honor. But the remedy to that jealousy. Is to praise other people, to give it to other people, to acknowledge other people. Human nature being what it is, most of us are far more concerned about securing honor than actually giving honor. When someone is, is getting the honor or attention, we sometimes try to discredit them in some way. So somebody at work, somebody in your family, maybe a sibling, they, they do something great. They're, they're doing something that's, that's successful or whatever. And, and instead of jumping on board and, and, and saying, way to go, man, good job. We try to discredit them by saying things like, well, yeah, well, they had it easier. Well, I would have done that, too, if I would have had that opportunity. But I didn't get that opportunity. Jealous. Oh, we, I would have done that too, or I, I could have had that, but you know, things just didn't work out like they did for, for him. And so I'm just, you know, I, I, I would probably would have done it better. We live in a sarcastic and cynical world and honoring doesn't come naturally to us. But what I want to encourage you today, and this is how we kind of just, just settle here for a minute, is that I want to encourage you to help me build a culture of honor here at Foothills Church. Because because our country and our culture is really quick to honor athletes, really quick to honor celebrities, really quick to honor, you know, musicians or, or rich people or what have you. But where is the real honor? The, the people that we should be truly honoring, that, that potentially are the only ones that actually deserve it. Where is honor? You see, um, when I was growing up, my, my parents really instilled this into me. So call me old-fashioned, but, but I still think that, that we should honor the American flag. I mean, I, I think that it represents the sacrifice, the values and the beliefs that our forefathers poured into this country and that because of what they've done, now we're able to worship here freely and don't have to worry about somebody barging down the doors. I believe we should honor the flag. I believe we should honor our, our um, armed services those that have died in service to this country, wounded in this country prior to our existence, and even those that serve today. I believe We should honor them, not discredit them or not, not perceive them as unimportant. Because really the opposite of, of honor is to see somebody as not important or not valuable. So we should, we should honor them. I mean, I've heard the national anthem millions of times, just like you. I mean, playing sports before every game, every game I've ever gone to. But I'm telling you, my hand is over my heart. My hat is off. I want to honor the national anthem. And listen, if you don't like that, McGee Tyson has a flight leaving every hour. You're welcome to go somewhere you can honor, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So listen, here's the deal. If we're going to show honor, it's got to be expressed. It can't just be, I agree with you, Trent, here. It's got to be here. It's got to be in motion. It's got to be actions. If we really believe it, then we, we, we move into action for it. And so when I see armed services, then I want to be freely giving them praise. Thank you, guys. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate what you're doing. Have you ever done that? A restaurant somewhere, just randomly say that, freak them out half the time. They're like, huh? You know, like, thank you. You know what? That blesses me, then it blesses them, I'm sure. But, but that's a way of honoring them verbally. When I was growing up, you know, things are different. You know, things are different now. And so when I was growing up at church, you didn't call somebody by their first name. You know, it just, it just wasn't like, you know, hey, Jake, what's up? As a kid, my daddy would have snatched my soul out of me and body slammed it and then thrown it back in, you know. And he would have done that all with his eyes. He wouldn't have had to actually do it. He had a way of looking and just like killing me with his eyes. And so, so you, could, you just wouldn't do that. It was always Mr. Jake, you know, Miss Jennifer. Sign of showing honor, sign of showing respect. Um, my, my, one of my kids coaches, soccer coaches, he's, he's eight. My son is eight and he's his, the, the, the uh coach was out of town. So we got his dad to come and, and coach for a couple of weeks. And so he was like old school, older guy, military guy, attorney. And so he was like pulling no punches. So he's like, kids, go here, go here. And I was just loving it. We were just laughing and having a good time because the kids, they're blown away blown away by this kind of leadership. And so, so he would ask him to do something or ask him a question. They'd be like, yeah. He'd be like, what? Yes, sir. And they're like, oh, don't kill me. You know, it's like, Half of them, I'd say more than half of them, had never even been taught that. But you know what? I want to instill that in my kids. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. A lot of their teachers go to go to church here. And so it's not, you don't ever call them by their first name. It's always Miss whatever or Mr. whatever. So we want to instill that on. That's a way of honoring those. See, our culture doesn't, doesn't do that. Our culture is so filled with dishonor and discrediting and, and devaluing One another. Um, It's important for us, I believe, as as a church, to to value honor. The Bible honors that concept. The Bible speaks to it, and so we want to create it. And it doesn't just happen. You don't just go to the church and and it's like, oh man, people honor each other. I think that's really cool. No, you fight for that. Just like our forefathers fought for our country and our freedom. You as a believer have to fight for that in your church. So when you have a thought of discrediting someone, you've got to say, no, 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 that's not who I'm going to be. I'm going to honor. I'm going to outdo them with honor. I believe that's where God has called us to be. Um, Let me explain it. Like this, because I think when we can see other people as God sees them, it can be the I guess the, the, the floodgate begin to open as we give honors if we, if we know how God sees other people. so let me explain it like this. so this is a, a really old bible it 's missing the deal here, and um, it 's like printed in the like late '70s, I think, and so it does have some cool pictures, so just know that um, that 's creation by the way um, so So how many of you guys would give me $500 for this Bible? Nobody? How many would give me $1,000? $100. Anybody give $100 for this? Okay. Nobody's going to do that because you don't know the story behind this Bible. So let me tell you the story behind this Bible, if I can make it. This Bible was given to me by my parents when I was five years old. It's a King James Version, so it's kind of hard to understand. <laughs> but it had pictures, and it's really it looks really cool. At least it did back then. I treasured this thing as a kid. Um, this was the Bible that my parents led me through when I accepted Christ. In the table of contents... <clears throat> Books that I had read as a kid, I put a check mark (laughs) by. There weren't very many check (laughs) marks. But I attempted in there, and it's it's really awesome for me to kind of pour through this and see some of the things that I underline and some of the comments that I made as a little kid. Um, I'm not selling this thing. Um, I'm going to give this to my kids. One of my kids one day will, will have this. Because for me, this represents more than just another Bible. This represents the spiritual legacy that my parents invested into me. This is the Bible that they read to me at night. This is the Bible that they made sure I carried to church. This is the Bible that that to me represents that my parents said, you know what? For us, this is gonna be priority. And so they wanted to instill that within me to honor God's word. So I had to take this to church every Sunday. And even when I fought them on that and didn't want to keep up with it, and obviously I didn't take too good a care of it, they wanted that to be in my life. Now, would I sell this for $500? <laughs> no way. $100? $1,000 would not sell this. A million dollars? Okay, I would do it for a million. <laughs> my parents would understand. We would, we would talk through that. But seriously, what... The point is this, when you know the story behind something, you realize how valuable it is to that person. Now everyone in this room has something that's valuable to them and to everybody else it would be junk, you know? But to you, because you're the owner and you know the story behind it, you value it. And so what I'm asking you to do is to see the person to your left and to your right in this church family as someone who God loves, God values, that God knows the story behind that person. And when I honor them, what I'm actually doing is I'm honoring God. One one person came up to me um, Saturday and said, Man, your kid is great at soccer. They're a game changer when they honored my son by coming to me and saying that to me, who gets honor as well as, as my son? <laughs> I do. You honor my kids, you honoring me. When you honor a child of God, you're honoring your heavenly father. When you love God's children, you're honoring God. So, so what we want to do is we want to fight for a culture that honors each other. To realize, I don't know why they talk like that and why they do that, and they've offended me, but God knows their story, and I'm called to genuinely love them. I'm called to honor them, and so I'm going to outdo them with honor because they're my sister or brother in Christ. You see, that, that's a different church. That's a different group of people. Because, because here's the reality. Here's the reality. Statistics say that pastors of churches um, less than three years is the tenure of most pastors. So, if you get to three years, man, you're 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 one of the few. And after that, it's it's you know not heard of very often. So when we talk about honor, one of the reasons why I think the tenure is so short is because people are vicious, people are mean spirited, and like they will rip. Leaders up one side and down the other. And for many pastors, they didn't sign up for that. So they're out. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not going to be with these people. They don't even like me. They hate me. So I'm out of here. We've got some pastors, former pastors, that are in our church even. And that's their story. So, so what we're fighting for here is something that we don't see everywhere. But we very much see it in the Bible. So when I honor someone, it means I'm valuing them it means that I'm putting them ahead of myself. I'm sacrificing for them, and I'm going to put them ahead of me, and I'm okay with that. So if you're insecure and uh, I kind of get a little queasy when I put somebody up because what if other people love them? He says, you want to cure that insecurity in your life? Start praising other people. Start honoring other people. I believe your life will change. We should rejoice, acknowledge, and praise Other people, when they achieve something, when they're successful at something, when they are receiving honor, instead of saying, well, I would have done better or they didn't do it quite right and they messed up here and they messed up there, we honor them and we value them. And we do that because that's an evidence of a transformed mind. It's evidence that God is in our life and he's transforming us and we're not conforming to the world, but we're being transformed by his word. So first and foremost, we honor Christ with our life, and we honor our spouse. The Bible says in First Peter 3, 7, Husbands, honor your wife. So, quick story. One of my, uh, our kids, we, my wife usually does the, the, the cooking. Probably not a surprise, but I probably cook. I grill. I like to grill. But other than that, I'm not that talented. And so she's usually doing that, putting things on the table. And like in art, when our kids were little, they would just like run to the table, get their hands washed, run to the table, jump in their chair, and then start snacking. You know, you ever get that? And you're like smacking hands, and you're like, ah, to my head. And my, there's four kids in our house, so I'm like, you know, I'm fighting. They're like ravaging animals on food. And so, so what— oh, ultimately that was, I mean, it was disrespectful to my wife. Here she is. She's cooking. She's serving. She's serving our family. She's coming back and forth to the table and getting everything and, and, and no, no, no acknowledgement. So it's firing me up. It was, it was ticking me off. And so instead of yelling like I was doing, I was like, how can I do this? So I learned from another pastor this. So I was like, all right, from now on, guys, we are not sitting in our seat until your mother is finished doing everything that she's doing. And then she comes and she sits down first. And when mom sits down, now you can sit down. So my kids at the beginning, they're just standing there behind the chair. And they're like, nah, 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 I'm starving, you know. And I'm like, shut up, boy. Shut up. You know. So, no. It was holier than that. No, but Not really. People think in a pastor's family, all the kids are like, Father, what can I do for you? It's like, no, trust me. We body slam them. And, and so, so, but that's what we started doing. And, and, and so I remember the first night we did that, and Micah came to the table. And she was like, well, well, thank you. And then we all sat down, and that's been our tradition ever since because I want to show them what honor looks like. I want them to, uh, to see that as a, as a husband, kids, this is what honoring your spouse looks like. Just one, one way. If you're a dad, and if you're a dad of, of, of girls, you know, this, this is freaking me out because one day I'm going to have to hand my daughter's hand into another man and say, you've got to love her like I did honor her like I did. Whew. And that, that scares me to death because I know he's not going to do as good a job, but, but I got to trust God through that. So when to honor my wife, and, and lastly, I want to, I want to say this. In 1 Thessalonians, it calls us to honor our leader, uh, leaders. 1 Thessalonians five twelve says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So what he's talking here is he's he's asking us and commanding us to honor those in leadership in the church. So pastors, other small group leaders, other leaders and elders in the church, he's he's calling us to, to honor them. And so when we go back to the tenure of most pastors, you see, if we're going to fight for honor, then this is one of the things that we've got to, we've got to understand. So, so I'll say this. We've got uh, three pastors here, other than myself, and, and two elders um, that aren't on staff, paid staff. And so, so three of these uh, guys are, are, are young guys. <clears throat> and so if you have an issue with, like, honoring uh, young guys because they're not as old as you or they're not older than you, um, then this is not the place for you. Because I know this about these three men. They love Jesus, they love his word, and they love this church. And there are hundreds of, of churches all around this country, and the world for that matter, that would eat these guys alive. They, they would want them. They, 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 they have opportunities uh, every month to go somewhere else and to be somewhere else because of their hearts because of their work ethic. I talk to guys that, that um, are pastors of, of churches and bigger than our church. And so they've got five and 10 times the amount of staff. And I promise you this, my three guys outwork 10 of their guys. They don't have hobbies. <laughs> just ask them, what do you guys do? I do Foothills Church and I do my family. And just be honest, that's what we do. That's what they do. And it's like, you know what? That's the kind of group that I, I love serving with. And so, so we're called to, to honor that and honor them. And I want to encourage you to do that um, and to do that with our elders and and to uh, allow uh, this concept of outdoing one another with honor to to filtrate and filter into your heart and let it come out in your words and in your actions. So uh, as a result of honoring each other, showing this genuine love, we're definitely showing that, first of all. We have a transformed mind. So God is changing us and he's moving us. And then it's also going to strengthen the faith of other people. I mean, if you are somebody that honors other people in this room, it's going to strengthen their faith. You know, the other thing it's going to do, people in the world who don't have faith in Christ are going to see how we treat each other. And they're going to be like, I want some of that. I like that. You know, I live in a world where people beat me down, but I want to be in an, in an environment like that. And so, so that's going to be an evangelistic way for us to show the world that Christ is transforming us and changing our mind. And then lastly, because this is what he commands us to do. I mean, this is what Christ did. He, he honored us when we were not honorable, right? Right when he sacrificed for us, we did not deserve it. And so when we talk about honoring people, the question of they deserve it or don't deserve it, it's not even in the equation. We honor them because God calls us to. We honor them and love them because God calls us to. And as God changes our mind and transforms our mind, we're able to do that. And come on, listen, listen. What would it look like to be in a church family where people were outdoing one another with honor? Instead of backbiting and fussing and fighting and avoiding and, and being fake, I mean, who wants to be a part of that kind of church or that kind of group of people? Christian, not Christian, whatever team you're talking about. I don't want to be in that environment. I want to be in an environment where people are real. Tell me what you're struggling with. Let me tell you what I'm struggling with. Let's deal with it. Let's pray through it. Let's love each other. Let's be genuine in showing our honor to one another. So if that doesn't smack you in the face, I don't know what will. So it's, it's like this, this stuff. I mean, just the next week, I mean, he just continues to pour it on. So my challenge for you this today and this week is to go home and start showing honor. Find as many people as you can honor this week, whether it be your boss, whether it be somebody, your coworker, and ultimately, who's the person that you're jealous of at work? Who's the person you're jealous of in your family? Call them, talk to them, honor them. And that is a surefire way for jealousy in your heart to dissipate and for genuine love of Christ to infiltrate and change your life. Thanks for listening. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com.